this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, through chapter 13, verse 13. This is the word of God. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of, of men of, and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you this morning. I feel like winter is finally gone. And spring is finally here. For those of you like me who've been sick all winter, hopefully our, our physical health is, is back and we can start working out again and eating healthy again. Uh, but more than anything else, I pray that during this wonderful time when the Lord lets the sun shine upon us, that he would renew your spirits. That not only would you get a jolt of happiness from the sun that is out there, but that the spirit himself that lives in you will remind you once again of his love and his goodness in your life. Look around you. These are brothers and sisters who love you imperfectly, but they still love you. Look around you. We see Christ's presence here and in many ways, we have to continue to fight to see Christ's presence amongst us. Because it's easy to get discouraged. 
It's easy to want to see what we want to see in the church or in the fellowship. But as you see the, the chinks in the armor, as you, see, as you see the weaknesses that we have, may it grow your longing for God in his presence evermore. And may we as a church continue to go to him on our knees, asking him, Lord, increase your presence amongst us as we continue to confess our sins, as we continue to seek to love one another in a way that is consonant with the love that you have shown us. This is one of the reasons why we're here today to continue to understand what it means when God commands us to love one another. God commands us to love one another because it's not natural for us to love one another. He wouldn't have to command us to do so if that was sort of naturally in our DNA. But he knows us. And even though we've been renewed by God in his spirit, and even though we know that we've been saved by grace, and even though we know we've been justified, and when the Lord returns, we, we stand before him and say, we trust in the finished work of Christ for our salvation. We know in the day-to-day difficulties of life that to learn to love one another is still something we have to learn to do. And so be encouraged in knowing that we haven't arrived be encouraged in knowing that the Lord knows this. But also be encouraged that the Lord has also enabled us by his spirit to follow him and love him in such a way that the end of that experience, whether it's, a, whether it's one encounter or many, that you can say with your brothers and sisters, by God's power, by God's power alone, was I able to love you. By God's power and God's power alone were we able to love one another. And thus giving glory to God. In our passage here in 1 Corinthians 13, we see that this passage, once again, is in the context of God giving his body gifts to make the church to grow. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about the gifts that he gives to the church in order to help the church to mature. And yet here in 1 Corinthians 13, he places in this passage about a more excellent way. In other words, if you yourself have not found your sort of place in this church, or if you yourself are trying to figure out what gift do I have to, to bring to the altar to, to help this church to grow? Paul's solution is 1 Corinthians 13. His command to us is simply to love one another. And in loving one another, Paul shows us the engine that allows the church to grow. The engine that allows the Spirit's presence to be made manifest here amongst us. Last two weeks, we looked at verse 4. We saw how God has taught us that love is patient and love is kind. 
that we as God's people, we are long-suffering for one another. That it's not our timetable in how God grows us as a church or grows us as individuals or how God equips us as people to serve the church. But it's God's timing. And then our duty is to love one another and not try to get people to hurry up and change and hurry up to be what the church needs, but allow God and Jesus to change each individual's hearts. We're not here to grow competent people. We are here to grow people who love Christ and the body of Christ. And so we're patient. We're kind to one another. We are not a people who envy or boast in the gift that God has given this church as well. You might look at Andy, our praise leader, and say, I want that gift. I want to be able to sit there, stand there and sing. But no matter what gifts that we have in the church, we do not boast about what we've been given, neither do we envy. But we praise God for what God has poured out and given to this church. And we see ourselves simply as his instruments. And we ask God, God, use us in any way to help your kingdom to go forth. Just teach me how to love. And to encourage all the people to grow. And today we come upon the next pairing. Love is not arrogant. And love is not rude. Now there are always people amongst us when we look around and we say, there's an arrogant fella. He thinks he knows everything about this church. There's there goes an arrogant woman over there. She knows better, or she thinks she knows better than any of us of what to do to make this church a thriving church. And oftentimes that arrogance comes with people who are, excuse me for saying this, who are younger. I was there too. When you first come into ministry, or when you first come to know the Lord, and the only thing you see in the church before you is hypocrisy. The only thing you see in the church before you is it's a mess. It's broken. And for some reason, you think that I can fix this. It's a real simple fix to allow this church to flourish. All we need to do is follow these steps, X, Y, and Z. First, we need a good praise team. Then we need a good, really good preacher. Then we need to have a lot of fun and more fun and more fun. And everything will will work the way it's supposed to work. There's a reason where, why, why Paul warns the church and says, listen, do not appoint elders or deacons who are too young in their faith. But arrogance isn't simply for the young. Arrogance is all of us. 
Arrogance is simply viewing, having an inflated view of one's importance and the gifts that God has given, first of all, for the church. This is the context of Corinthians. It's having an inflated view that what you do for the church or the gifts that you have for the church are more important and irreplaceable and that your view of, of, of how your ministry fits within this church or your view of how church should run because you are involved in this church so deeply that your view is correct over against anyone else's. And this divides the church. This has divided the, the church in Corinth as well. And this arrogance that comes into perhaps even, excuse me, our church and our ministry, ministry seeks to divide us rather than to put us together. We have to be reminded once again that whatever gifts that God has given to us for the sake of this church, whatever opinions we have and, and insights and wisdom we have in this church, that our opinion and our opinion alone cannot be the sole source of all wisdom for this church. But love always seeks to understand everyone else. Love seeks to understand everyone else's insight and understanding of the body of Christ together. And so our brother Andy will ask every once in a while, what songs have blessed you? What songs would you like to sing? Your community group leaders will ask one another and say, hey, how would you like going through this book? Should we do scripture next time? Someone could raise their hand and say, hey, I think our church needs to pray more. And we all talk about it and go, let's think about it. Maybe we do need to pray more. How can we pray more? But whether our opinions or our suggestions are, are taken and run with or whether they sort of are just part of the larger conversation of our church, either way, none of us think that we have the answer to build a culture of this church. But that all of us together as we love one another, seek to help each other to grow in our character above competence. Many of you, well, I dare say all of you, have grown up in a family. And perhaps some of you have grown up in a family where one of the parents, the father or the mother, maybe you grew up in an extended family, where's the grandma? Not the grandpa, it's usually the grandma who ran the whole family. And you felt like you never had a voice. 
you just simply did what that one person told you to do. And in so doing, you never felt as if you were a part of that family and anything that you said had no consequence in there. And usually what happens with families like that is, unfortunately, there's a divide, right, between the parents and the kids. Until God changes someone's heart, is reconciliation sort of able to happen. But for all of us, we, we hopefully, hopefully as, as parents, we understand that as we raise our kids, we, we try to understand our kids. We try to understand our spouses. And especially if you are the husband and you are the, the head of the household, your primary role, if I can say it this way, is to understand your family. <laughs> understand your wife. Understand your kids. Understand the circumstances that are around there. And to make good decisions for the sake of everyone and not to be that arrogant husband or that arrogant wife or that arrogant grandma so that the body of the family unit can grow together. It's no different for the church itself. All of you are important to the body of Christ. None of us have all the answers to the body of Christ. All of us have good things to say, to contribute. This is what Paul wanted from the church at Corinth. For each person to understand that they had a gift. And for each person not to be arrogant, but to be humble. For each person to be able to recognize the gifts that have been given. And if you couldn't figure out what those gifts were, again, love. Just love. Just love one another. The root of arrogance is we forgetting that God is the giver of all the things that he has given to us. Not only our gifts here to grow the church, but also any gifts that we have or talents that we have in this world. And not to be proud of what you have. First and everything that you have has been given by God. There's nothing that you have that is your own. Some of you are very privileged, if I can use that word in a non-political way, that you've grown up with a family that loves you. That you've grown up with opportunities of education. That during your four years of college, while you're blessed that you finished college in four years, that you're able to study what you wanted to study. That during those four years, you were healthy, you never got sick that you never had catastrophe in your family that you had to drop out, that somehow in those four years you, you graduated and, and you studied and you had the good health and you had the mental capacity to, to study. And for some reason, your professors thought you were smart and they gave you good grades. Don't, don't ask me why. And somehow you were able to get that interview and get that job. And somehow you were able to 
be a, a well-known member of society. Who gave that to you? It's God. See, not only is, is arrogance in the gifts that God has given the church could be a problem, but the, the arrogance of the talents and the providential gifts that he, he's given us can seep into our church as well. But any providential gift that you've been given by God, none of us can be arrogant. One thing I, I love about our church that we have, and, and I want to continue this as long as long as as long as the Lord gives us grace to do this, is that it doesn't matter sort of what socioeconomic place you guys come from. That eventually when we become a church and we, we want to have elders and deacons, we're not going to look at their resume and say, are they a CEO of a Fortune 400, 500 company? And somehow sort of correlate their providential gifts into spiritual gifts. Say simply your spiritual gifts. Let's see what they are. To have elders and deacons from all different parts of life. And for us to be humble that the Lord has given these things according to his grace and his mercy. Secondly, love is not rude. Love is simply being inconsiderate of another's experience or sensitivities. And this is something that, 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 that happens very often in the church. We sort of absolutize our own Christian experience in such a way that we believe that everyone needs to come to know the Lord and grow in the Lord in this one narrow experience. Someone could say, you know, listen, I got really blessed by the Lord by going to such and such conference and there's such and such a retreat, you have to go there. You have to go there. If you go there, God will bless you. If you go there, that's the way that God works. And what happens is we become insensitive to the way, the way that the Lord works in every single individual. His perfect grace, his perfect love doesn't change, but the way it's expressed and experienced by every individual is different. And so we're not rude and saying things like, hey, why don't you read the Bible? You gotta read the Bible more. You're not reading the Bible the right way. Here, let me show you how to read the Bible. Hey, you're not praying the way you should be praying. What are you doing? You've got to get on your knees. You've got to at least shed three tears. And you've got to say hallelujah at least six times. Or, hey, why are you saying hallelujah six times? Why are you shedding tears? Your prayer should be more stoic, more cerebral. But the rudeness comes out when we do not, when we think that our way of understanding spirituality, our way of understanding church is the only way. 
Now, we as an Asian, predominantly Asian-American church, there's a way that we experience spirituality that's very different from the majority culture or from different ethnicities as well. Listen, no matter how hard we want to do it, we, we can't worship the church. We can't worship God like, like an African-American church. We, we can't. It'll just look weird. Maybe one day we'll be able to. I would love to. And I think all of you would love to as well, although we would probably clap off beat while they clap on beat. But, you know, that's, that's something we could all work on. But to think that their way is not the right way, and our way is the right way, correct way. Or to think the way that someone is more outspoken in their evangelism, the way that we're more sort of quiet, perhaps. We're not rude. We're not insensitive. we're understanding. Love recognizes the unique way each one of us experiences the perfect love of God as individuals, as a culture. Here in our church, we have people who are married with kids, people who are just married and joyfully without kids, people who are single, people who are college kids, and all of you have experienced God in unique ways. It would be rude for us to say to each other, just wait till you grow up, you'll know. Just wait till you get to my stage of life, you'll know. That's not love. But love is to understand each person and to love them in their experiences today and to apply the good news of the gospel today. Was not our Jesus himself incarnate love? Jesus was not arrogant or rude to people who were weak and in need. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He himself did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but became like you and me. He humbled himself. He was not arrogant about his holiness and his perfection, but instead sought to understand each individual and each person where they were who they were. The Gospels are are replete with stories of Jesus interacting with the the woman at the well, the Syrian woman, Zacchaeus, and how he understood each one of us. was not arrogant about his knowledge of them, but was humble enough to see, to love, to understand. And Jesus was not rude to those who were weak.
But Jesus chose his words carefully and his actions in such a way that showed each individual that they were cared for and loved by the Lord himself. Our church needs to receive that love from the Lord. The reason why we're arrogant and rude in many ways is because we have forgotten that our security, our identity, who we are, is in Jesus. We have forgotten that he's the king. He will make all things right. And in so doing, when we come before him and receive his, his perfect love and his healing, then he sends us out, does he not, as the church? Let us love one another. For love comes from God. Let us show the world a love that they do not that they will not understand. Let us show them a love that is so supernatural and that is so just dissonant with their definition of love today. That they'll either do a double take or they'll come hungry asking, who is this God that you worship? What is this love that I see? And then may we, like Jesus, be winsome in our words and our actions that they too may come to know the love of Jesus as well. Christ Covenant Presbyterian Church, the Lord has brought us a long way already. But there is never an end to this journey of being a church. There's never an end to a journey of being a Christian until the Lord comes home. Every day, we fight the battle to love or not to love. And every day, there are new experiences and situations where we can make excuses, but let's not do that. Let us love, and let us love well. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your perfect love, your perfect grace, your perfect timing in all things. And Lord, we confess to you, Lord God, that we are a church that falls way, way short of that perfect love that you've shown us on the cross. But we're also a church that is really hopeful that we will grow in this love for that is what your spirit is doing in each and every one of us, Lord God. So Lord, even though we have not arrived and even though we won't arrive until you return, Lord, show us that in each step where we see and experience the love of Jesus, either by giving or receiving, that we see the person of Christ and the spirit, Lord, appear before us because that love is not from you but from 
from us, but from you. May that appearance of Jesus in the form of love that is expressed give us joy. For your presence is what we long for more than anything else. And even though we will not have it in perfection until you return, Lord, it is our love expressed to one another that allows us to catch not glimpses, but real manifestations of Jesus amongst us. So help us, Lord God, as a church. And then just help the church universal as well to manifest this love that the world may see that Jesus indeed has come and that he will return. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.